Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, Matthew 26, Hebrews 4. In verse 38, it says this, Jesus told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus said, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And then in Hebrews chapter 4, it says this, this high priest of ours, that's Jesus, understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he didn't sin. Jesus faced all the same testings that we do with the exception that he never sinned. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that, uh, that you would count us worthy. No, Lord, that you make us worthy to be in your presence. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here as we worship you. Thank you for being here as we fellowship. Thank you for being here as we break the bread of life together, your word. And God, we just pray that somehow, some way, in some moment in this service, every one of us encounters you in a life-changing way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I uh, told you that I was going to that today's message was going to be called a path, the path to freedom. Uh, but the more the more I get into and study uh, and sort of sit in this topic of freedom, it's obvious to me that it's far too much to do in one message. Maybe even too much to do in a couple of messages. So I'm just going to rename the series the path to freedom. Um, and we're just going to slow down and walk our way through the rest of it, okay? We're just going to see what God wants to do. Is that all right with y'all? Um, because I, there, there's no reason to get in a hurry, and there's no reason for us to move on until we really grasp what it is that God's trying to get us to do and to know and experience now. So we're talking about getting free. You know, John, free from what? Free from bad habits and addictions, free from hurts and pain, free from our chains and our challenges. Uh, anything that keeps you stuck, anything that keeps you stuck in, in a thought or in an action or in a feeling or in an attitude, that's an area where you need to be set free. Some of the chains in our lives are really obvious. Some of them are just as serious but far more subtle. So we talk about freedom in church all the time. But, but what does that mean? And even if you know what it means, how do I get free? How does freedom happen? So you say, John, listen, I'm just going to admit I've got some chains. i got stuff in my life that I need to get free from, but I have no idea how to even start. Well, listen, you're in the right place today. Because starting with this message until the end of the series, I want to show you what the Word says, exactly what the Word says about how to get free from the things that are crushing your soul. And we're going to see them in the life and the example of Jesus himself. 
Now, in the scripture that we just read, Jesus made what might be a, a startling um, statement for you. Jesus finds himself with a soul problem. You said, John, hang on, Jesus had a problem in his soul? Well, that's what he said. He said, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Now, remember what a soul is. Biblically, a soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, or the decisions that you make, and your emotions. Now, have you ever been so uh, burdened with something that, uh, that was weighing on your mind or on your emotions or a decision that you had to make that you just found it, you just couldn't hardly breathe you, you couldn't hardly think it. You, just, you, you, almost, you felt like you were being crushed to death. Y'all ever been in one of those situations? None of, none of y'all? <laughs> y'all been in one of those? Jesus has been there. Jesus was there in this moment in Scripture. That's what Scripture says. It says in Hebrews, he experienced everything that we experienced, the, the entire human experience, the trials and the tribulations, the trouble, the testings. Jesus went through all of that stuff. You say, well, hang on, John, you mean that Jesus understands the pain of my abuse or the, the, the rejection that I feel from my family or from other people in my life or the betrayal that I've experienced? Well, let me ask you this. Who has ever been more abused than Jesus? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, socially, he, uh, Isaiah 53 said prophetically of Jesus' life, he's despised and rejected. They hated him and pushed him away. He was not just betrayed by Judas. He was not just denied by Peter. By the time the guards showed up and arrested him in the Garden of Gethsemane and carried him away to be tried and ultimately crucified, Jesus had been completely abandoned by the, the 12, all 12 of the men he was closest to on this earth. He went, he was led away to face the worst, uh, the worst 12 hour period of anybody in the history of, of humanity all alone. Even before he had been beaten, even before he'd been crucified, his soul was crushed to the point of death by grief. You can rest assured, Jesus understands where you are today. Jesus knows pain. Now, our chains, the things that we need to be free from, are almost always connected to pain in our souls somehow, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And, and they're connected uh, because they were caused by sin, either a sin that we suffered because of someone else, so someone else's sin caused us to suffer, or we've allowed some sin in our own lives to take uh, to take hold. So you say, John, listen, I, I, I know he experienced terrible things on this earth at the hands of others, but did Jesus ever experience the chains of sin like the ones that bind us? And, and my answer is, is maybe a little surprising to you. Yes, he did. He did experience the chains of sin like you and I have to deal with. Jesus knows exactly how heavy your chains are because he carried them to the cross. He had, he had no sin of his own. No sin of his own. But he took the punishment for every sin of every person who ever had or ever would live to the cross. Listen, the nails, the thorns, 
the stripes that he took, those weren't the worst things that Jesus experienced. Those weren't the worst things that Jesus had to deal with. It was the bitter taste and the impossibly heavy penalty of my sin and your sin. He felt the weight of the sins that we've committed against other people, and we all have, and the the sins that people have committed against us, and we've all had that too. All of our chains have their source in sin, but the good news is all of those sins have been paid for by the blood of Jesus. That's how we can be set free. That's how we can be set free. So, so can we look to Jesus to teach us how to handle these soul wounds, how to handle these chains that hold us back? Absolutely. He carried our sins to the cross, and now he wants us to follow him down this path to freedom. So let's get into it. Matthew 26, let's go back there. Matthew 26, a couple of verses before the one we just read. Uh, in verse 36, it says this, Jesus, Then Jesus went with them. So then means after the, uh, the Last Supper, what we call the Last Supper. Jesus went with them, the 11 disciples, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. Then he took Peter and, and James and John, Zebedee's two sons, and he became anguished and distressed. Jesus did. And he told these three guys My soul is crushed uh, with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now, Jesus at this point was about 12 hours away from the cross. He knew what was coming, not just because he was God, but because he had seen many, many, many people crucified. He knew what he was about to face. But but remember, and, and Jesus was overwhelmed by it. He knew what was coming. And he was overwhelmed by it. Remember, mind, will, and emotions. It was all Jesus could think about in that moment. The decision to submit to the will of the Father, which was what he came on this earth to do, but that decision was imminent. It was right now he had to make the choice to submit. His emotions were absolutely overwhelmed, just like we get with the chains of our lives. So what did Jesus do? Judas had already left to go and finalize his betrayal of Jesus. So he took 11 men with him to the garden and asked them to pray. Then he took three of those 11 a little bit further, a little deeper into the garden, and he not only asked them to pray, he he asked them to stay with him, close to him, and he confessed to them, my soul is crushed, Uh, I'm overwhelmed with grief to the point of death. Y'all stay and pray with me. He chose to use a resource in that moment. He chose to use the resource of community. He didn't try to do it by himself. He was Jesus. And in his moment of greatest need in his soul, he chose not to do it alone. So today's message is called a community of freedom. A community of of freedom. When sin, or when there's a dominating sin in your life, when there's a habit that you can't shake, when there's a pain that you can't get past, a community of faith is a God-given resource on our path to freedom. So if there's one part, uh, I'm proud American. I make no apologies for that. 
But if there's one part of being an American that I wish I could snatch from the American church, it's this mindset of rugged individualism. It's this idea that I don't need nobody. Y'all know believers like that? Do you realize Jesus was almost never alone when he was on the earth? Every once in a while, he'd sneak away so that he could pray by himself. Uh, But other than that, he was with people. Everything he did, everything he said, everything he experienced was in community. It was in his community of faith. When he talked about the church, his consistent analogy and his specific design for the church was a body. He spoke of it as his body, not just a collection of body parts. You see, we act like we don't need each other, don't we? Don't we put on our church face? Don't we come strolling in like everything in our life is awesome and we don't need anything, we don't need anybody? Jesus, Jesus begs to differ. We do need people. We do need each other. Jesus never imagined a version of Christianity that you could do by yourself. There is no, uh, there, there's no home kit <laughs> that you can get to be your own church. There, there's, no, uh, there's no independent study version of Christianity. That's just not how it was designed to work. You say, John, I don't know about that. Well, listen, I could show, we could see the rest of the day, we could look at proof after proof after proof that this is about community. But just look at maybe one of the most well-known passages of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6, what's known, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Look at the pronouns in that prayer. Jesus said, you need to pray like this. Our Father, give us this day, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others. Right? Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Do you see that? Deliverance, provision, forgiveness, even our identity as the children of God, all of that is wrapped up in the context of community. He intended for us to do this together. He intended Christianity to be a team sport. Now, we'll, we'll talk more about this, um, this community, this need for community in the context of the church in a future series, hopefully the near future. But, but what about this path to freedom? How does, what does community have to do with freedom? Well, I want to show you a couple of scriptures that I think will make it pretty clear. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. King Solomon said, two people are better than one. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Well, what do you mean? If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Does it, y'all don't have to be theologians, like, does it get plainer than that? We need each other. Right? We need each other. If you fall, how are you going to fall? If you fall under the weight of your chains, if you fall to the temptations that are in your life, if you fall to the emotional pressure of the pain that you're experiencing, and you're by yourself, the Lord says, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. You say, John, listen, don't worry about it. 
I got discovered because I'm not by myself. I've got hundreds of friends, and that's just on Facebook. Don't count all the other platforms. Listen, you better behave. You know good and well that's not community. That's not that's not the kind of community that Jesus was talking about. Not the kind he reached out to when his soul was being crushed by what he was about to go through. How do you know that? Well, Jesus, Jesus didn't reach out to followers. He reached out to friends. Real flesh and blood people that he had done life with for the last three and a half years. It is incredibly important for you to be open with someone with skin on about your struggles. Now, let's keep reading. Two two are better off than one. Let's read Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Dear brothers and sisters, so who's he talking to? Believers. Galatians 6, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, You who are godly or mature should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. What path? Path to freedom. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? We have to bear each other's burdens. And then then I love the Apostle Paul. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You ain't that important. That's what the man said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So when someone gets overwhelmed by a sin, that's what the word, that, that's the premise of the word set. We've already established that our chains that we fight with are the result of sin, either our sin or somebody else's sin. So we keep trying to stop. Or we try to get over whatever that thing is, but we can't because we're just completely overwhelmed by it. So what do we do? Well, because Jesus intended, always intended for us to be in community, we allow the people around us to gently and humbly help us. Why? Because they can see things we can't. They see things we can't. Have you ever been trying to solve a problem and it's just you have twisted this thing every direction. You have thought of it in every way you can think of it. You cannot see a solution. And somebody walks up and in like three seconds they tell you what you need to do. And you're like, I've been doing this for an hour. Why hadn't I thought of that? Because people on the outside can see things that people on the inside can't. You get overwhelmed by it. You get wrapped up in it and you can't see a way out so we call for those people or we allow those people to help us so there's really two parties that we're talking about in this scenario the helper and the helpee right the person who does the helping and the person who needs some help and every one of us is called to be both of those y'all miss that Every one of us as believers are called to be be both the helper and the helpee at different times in our walk with the Lord. So what do we do? So let's talk about the helpers. What do we do uh, when we see someone who's overwhelmed with a sin in their life? Someone who's bound by some chains. Someone who needs some freedom. Well, unfortunately, far too often this is what church people have done and still do. 
that you make a post on Facebook about it. Giving enough detail so that everybody knows exactly who and what you're talking about, but you don't include the name so that you can claim that you're innocent. Or you talk loudly enough in their presence so that they can hear you, but you don't look at them, but you say things like, I just can't believe someone who calls themselves a Christian would do such things. Or maybe you go, you're, you're bold. Maybe you go to that person. You say, I'm going to do the Matthew 18 thing. So you go to that person and you have one of those tough love conversations. You know, the ones who believe, who, who, who begin with, I don't want to offend you. And then right after that, they continue and they are as offensive and as cruel and heartless and just plain mean as they can possibly be in Jesus' name. Now, I think we established this here at our church a few years ago, but being a jerk is neither a personality type nor a spiritual gift. Don't blame that on the Lord. He got nothing to do with that. You a jerk, you choose to be a jerk. Now, what, what else does the church do? We, we say things, oh, the, the really spiritual people say things like this. I operate in the gifts of the Spirit, and I just want you to know, I know exactly what you're doing. And I am appalled. You need to get your act together. Or we just go tell the pastor. We go tattle to them, to the pastor on them, and we tell the pastor, you need to deal with this, not because this person is overwhelmed in the sin. You need to deal with this because we don't want to have that kind of person in our church. <laughs> have y'all, am I telling the truth? Have y'all, y'all looking at me like I'm making this up. Have y'all been long, uh, uh, alive and in the church long enough to have seen this kind of mess? I'm not going to ask you if you participate in it. I just want to know if you've seen it, okay? Everything's safe. It makes people want to try to do life by themselves. That's where this comes from. You get hurt enough, you build a wall. The problem is the wall doesn't just keep the, the, the hurtful things out. It keeps the healing out as well. But what does the Word say? The Word says we do life in community, humbly and gently restore these people. So before you do anything about someone else's chains that you may see, go pray about it. And don't just pray about them and those sorry sinners. Pray for them from their side of the table. Ask the Lord how you should handle it. And if he says, go help them, and sometimes he don't say, go help it, uh, go and help them. Sometimes he just says, you need to stay out of it. And there's probably a reason. But if he tells you to go, then you go and you help them out of love, not out of anger, not out of arrogance, not out of judgment. 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter, and, I, and we all use it in weddings, and I'm going to use it in a wedding this afternoon, but it's, it's, uh, this original context is about the use of spiritual gifts. And it says that when we operate spiritual gifts, it ha- they have to be operated in love. So if you're operating spiritual gifts and they're not in love, then you're grieving and offending and misrepresenting the Holy Spirit. We've got to stop abusing the gifts of the Spirit to make ourselves feel superior. He gives us gifts for what? The edification of the body, to build up the body, to help people 
not beat them up. So when you see somebody who needs help, you pray about it long enough to get direction, and then you wait long enough to, to where you're humble, and then you go and do it gently. Why? Because sometimes the weight of chains leave people sore. You've been carrying those things a while, it makes you sore. And it doesn't take much to hurt somebody who's in that condition. And this is what Jesus said about hurting people. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. Jesus said, if you cause one of these little ones, he's not just talking about children, you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it'd be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus is serious about community. He's also serious about that community taking responsibility seriously. Now, I have a question for us. This is not a question to the big, to the, it's a question to the church, but not the big C church, not, not the entire body of Christ around the world necessarily. I want to ask this very, very specifically to Covenant Life Church. Are you ready to help people get free? Now, I want you to think about it before you answer because as, as far as I know, the, the House of Cherith campus is going to be open in less than two months here, here on our property. Are we ready to help these ladies with their chains without being offended by them? And what about the others who are going to come in? You're like, what, what do you mean, what others? When we, when we become a church that shows people how to get free, God is going to send us people who need to be free. Can we stand? Can you? Well, I'm not going to be doing this. Can you stand to sit beside a drug addict for several weeks or months while God works on them? I'm going to be standing up here. You're going to be sitting beside people. Can, can we put up with somebody who's angry and bitter from years of abuse while God works on their heart, works to soften their heart and tear down their walls one brick at a time? Can we wait on them? You say, oh, John, I just long for this to be a place where people can come and find Jesus, where people can come and find freedom. Well, here's what, and, and I do too, but here's what the Lord showed me this week that I really felt like I needed to share with you specifically. If we expect to experience the glory of a person set free, we must develop a grace for the person in chains. I know that was long. Let me say that again. If we expect to experience the glory of a person set free, we must develop a grace for the person in chains. Because you can't set someone free if they don't need to be free. Galatians said it really clearly. Those of us who are mature believers have to develop humility and gentleness. We keep, we keep saying, oh, we need, to be, we need to develop this boldness. You need to develop humility and gentleness so we can help people out of their chains and out of their grave clothes. Listen, I believe this with my whole heart. God wants covenant life to be a community of freedom. 
a community of freedom, a safe place where people can come in and be real and relational and reaching. So community is one of the resources Jesus used and provided for us to use both for our chains and for our pains. So let's go to the other side of the equation. We talked about the helpers. What about the people who need to be helped? Listen, I know it's scary to allow people into your life, but if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, we have to. There's really no substitute. When Jesus' soul was overwhelmed, he called his brothers to be around him. There's a connection between healing and community that I'm not sure we've tapped into yet, especially among us private, self-sufficient Americans. You say, well, I ain't telling nobody nothing. I'm just going to talk to Jesus about it. And I get that. And there's probably a place and a time and a situation where it would warrant that you have a private conversation with Jesus. But that's probably the exception and not the rule. They're, they're, I hear people say it all the time. I'm just going to take it to the Lord because there's power in prayer. The, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, right? And, and that's true. But if you're going to stand on that verse, you need to read the rest of the verse. It just so happens I have the rest of the verse. James chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. He says, James says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. See, you're inviting people into your pain. Uh, anointing you with oil in the name of Jesus. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Here's the verse. Here's the first part. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You see the connection? And then you get to say, the earnest prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. I wonder how, how, I wonder how many of us have not been healed because we're too proud to ask for help. Because we've put God into a box. We say, God, you're going to heal me, just me and you. I'm not going to tell anybody else about it. It's just going to be me and you. What if God's plan for healing you involves somebody else. I know a person who literally went to her grave because she refused to allow God to do it any other way. A completely curable illness. She was determined it was God and only God and it was only going to come this particular way. She died of it. We can be so stubborn. So stubborn. Jesus placed us in community because we could help lead each other to healing. Why would we not use that as a resource? If Jesus, on the worst night of his life, called on his community of friends and brothers, don't you think we should too? If you're going to follow the path to freedom, you're going to have to walk it with somebody else. Not everybody else, not your social media per people, but somebody. You don't tell everybody everything, but you need to tell somebody pretty much everything. 
Why is Jesus so insistent on bringing out the worst parts of our lives to somebody else? Because slavery and bondage operate in darkness. Sharing it with somebody else brings it to the light. Where you can see more clearly what it is you're dealing with. In the darkness, sometimes even a shadow seems ominous and huge. When the light comes on, you see things with clarity. Now listen, there's a whole, whole lot of stuff to unpack here. And we're going to do that over the next few weeks as we try to, to, to apply this word. Uh, apply the, the, the promise of freedom that Jesus gives to us and paid for. We're going to try to apply that in our everyday lives. But, but we're going to start right here. We have to learn to trust people as God leads us. You have to learn to stop being hindered by shame. And we'll talk more about that later too. But everybody, listen to me. Everybody has chains, including the person who just said that. Everybody. So stop assuming that these church people have got it all together and they spotted your messed up self just as soon as you walked in the door. Take it from me, I'm their pastor. They ain't got it all together either. And neither do I. So you're in the right place. You're just in a community of a bunch of messed up folks who are determined to find freedom together. Amen. Together. So you're like, okay, so I've got to talk to somebody. So what kind of person do I look for to share with? Well, don't look for somebody who has no chains because you'll never find that person. And don't look for somebody who thinks they have no chains. As a matter of fact, run from that person because they ain't going to help you. Look for somebody who's free where you're bound. Look for somebody who's mature in the faith. Look for somebody who has a track record. If you've been around them, they have a track record for being trustworthy. Like if they've told you somebody else's business, don't tell them your business. Right? Look for somebody that's trustworthy, somebody that's honest, somebody that's godly, somebody that's gentle. Maybe, you, maybe your small group leader, maybe your ministry uh, coordinator, somebody that God leads you to, even if it surprises you. Because sometimes God sends you to some very surprising people. You say, so John, okay, I'm going to open myself up to a member of the community of faith. Well, what am I supposed to do when I find them? Confess what's going on. And ask him to pray, just like Jesus did. He got this bunch of misfits, 11 dudes that couldn't even get along through the Last Supper. And he said these, to these flawed individuals, guys, my soul is crushed to the point of, of death. It's crushed with grief to the point of death. I feel like I'm dying here. Would you please pray with me? Please just stay with me. When you let people into your pain... You let people into your struggle and you ask them to pray. You have to be open to the possibility that they may not just help you uh, pray. They may actually be part of the answer to your prayer. Here's what I mean. God will very often lead you to a person who, unbeknownst to you, has already walked the road that you're facing. So they, they can not only pray with you, they can give you 
uh, they can give you advice. They can give you wisdom from their own experience. They can show you the way because they've already been there. Or maybe they don't have personal experience. Maybe God's just going to connect you to a person who, who uh, is open to allow the Spirit to move through them. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to give them a gift for you. Knowledge, wisdom, discerning of spirits. Maybe it's miracles. Maybe it's prophecy. Whatever it is that God wants to use in that moment for you through somebody else. But you have to trust you have to trust that God uses the body to minister to the body. It's a, it's a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. So the old hymn says it this way, and I just can't seem to get this out of my head. I can't get away from this in this series. Would you be free from your burden of sin? And sin is a burden. And it burdens you in so many ways. And it's not just your sin, other people's sin become burdens for us. The question is, do you want to be free? If you do, it's time to join a community of faith. And I'm not talking about church membership necessarily, though that's a great place to start as well. But every burden gets lighter when you share it with somebody. That's just the laws of physics. There, there are other parts of this path to freedom too, but this is a big one. I want to invite you to come to this altar this morning and to pray. And I want to I invite you to not pray by yourself. We've got, I've got the prayer team on standby today ready to respond. These are people who are seasoned in prayer, seasoned in dealing with people, sensitive to the Lord, sensitive to people. They want what's best for you, and they, they don't spread your business. You're like, John, how do you, get, how do you get kicked off a prayer team? Telling somebody else's business. That's how you get kicked off. Or maybe you say, John, I'm just not sure about just, just right now. I'm not sure about coming up. I, I want to pray at my seat. That's cool. I want to pray in my home. I'm, I'm watching virtually. I just want to pray in my home. It's great. At some point, though, get a connection card. Fill it out electronically if you prefer, and send it to us. And we will connect you with somebody who will pray with you, somebody that you can trust. So again, I come back to that question. Are you ready to begin your path to freedom? And here's one more, uh, here's one more call. Back to the helpers. Um, if you're judgmental, and gossipy, religious, it's time for you to repent of that because it's a sin. Just like alcohol and drugs and adultery, it's a sin. You need to repent and ask God to give you love and grace for the people he died for. And please don't forget, you were just as lost as they were when Jesus found you even if you were just better at hiding it than they are y'all stand with me the longer I live the more I think um, we're all on this journey and we're probably never going to get off the path to freedom I don't think this is something that you can expect to, to take you about a month and then you just move on um, 
Because here's what I've discovered. Let me say it this way. Y'all ever bought new pillows for your couch? Y'all ever bought new pillows for your couch? Don't. Don't do that if you hadn't. It'll cost you $26,000. Why? Because when you buy new pillows and put them on your old couch, you're going to need a new couch. Then you put your new couch up against your old wall, you're going to need to repaint the whole living room. Then you put fresh paint in there and your carpet going to look nasty. Right? Everything you do is going to show you something else needs to still be done. When you get on the path to freedom and you find freedom in one area of your life, all it's going to do is reveal other areas of your life in which you still need freedom. You're ne- there, are no, there are no exits. There's entrance ramps. There are no exits. Once you get on this path to freedom, you're never going to get off. That's not the bad news. The good news is at the end of the road is Jesus. It always takes you closer to Jesus. Why would you want to exit anyway? It's taking us to Jesus. So this altar is open. I think Jordan said that this this altar is always open. It's never like not open. And you can pray about anything you want to pray about. Whatever, whatever you need to pray about, please come and pray. But at some point, whether it's in the next four or five minutes or whether it's in the next four or five days, please spend some time with the Lord and listen to Him as He leads you into areas of your life where you need some freedom. And it might just be the deepest pain that you've ever had and that you've been trying to ignore for 20 years. Well, let me tell you today, that's where He wants to start. Because you've been carrying something that he didn't intend for you to carry wherever it is he leads you it's time to find freedom in that area let's pray Father thank you for your word and I thank you thank you that you're never offended or surprised at the messiness of people's lives thank you that when I come to you Lord to confess the things in my life that need Um, that I need to be free from you're never shocked you're just glad to see me because you've been waiting on me because you've known the whole time so I don't know why I let shame I don't know why I let uh, I let myself wait as if if I don't mention it you're not going to know it Lord you know it you see it and you literally died on the cross for me to be free from it So why in the world would I not bring it to you and and receive freedom in exchange? So Lord, today for every person in this place, I pray that you give them beauty for the ashes of their lives, that you give them strength instead of fear, that you give them joy instead of sorrow, that you give them freedom for their chains. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. 
At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.